Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. I'm Yulia Patse, your host for this episode. In it, you'll hear from five strangers, Laura Quimbao, Christian Garcia, Yinka Ladende, Mika Beckerman, and Noreen Sandino, who all share an obsession. And you'll hear from Katie Schmidt, who has some tips on how we might be able to deal with our obsession. Ready? Let's get started. We all have that food, or food-like substance, that we can't quite control ourselves around. For some, it's donuts, cookies, or ice cream. For others, it's cheese or freshly baked bread. But for me, it's Flaming Hot Cheetos. Flaming Hot Cheetos. I love them so much. And it seems I'm not alone. What is it about Flaming Hot Cheetos? That just burns so good, but in an addicting way where once you start, you can't stop no matter how much pain you're in. What is it that makes them so irresistible to us? But Flaming Hot Cheetos, um, I don't know. There's something about them. There sure is. Like the taste. What is it that Flaming Hot Cheetos taste like? A party in my mouth. How do you describe the flavor of hot Cheetos? Oh my gosh. That is such a good question. The flavor is tangy, limey, spicy, addictive. Oh my God. Tingling on the tongue. If I think about the tingle, I just, my tongue starts to salivate and I just think of that, that tingle that you get on, on the palate. I don't know how else to describe it. Like the perfect amount of crunch but not crunchy where you want to stop like there's a soft inside and then the heat of the flaming hot cheeto is like absolutely nothing else is it something that can be described or must it just be experienced it's not a it's definitely not a taste found in nature like you you definitely know oh yeah we know enriched cornmeal cornmeal ferrous sulfate niacin Thiamine mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid, vegetable oil, corn, canola, and or sunflower oil. Oh, and you can't forget about the... Flaming Hot Seasoning. Maltodextrin made from corn, salt, sugar, monosodium glutamate, yeast extract, citric acid. I mean, so far it doesn't sound too terrible. Artificial color, red 40 lake, yellow 6 lake? Yellow six? Yellow five? Okay, that doesn't sound great. Let's just get this over with. Sunflower oil, cheddar cheese, milk, cheese cultures, salt, enzymes, onion powder, whey, whey protein concentrate, garlic powder, natural flavor, buttermilk, sodium diacetate, disodium inosinate, disodium quanulate, and salt. Yikes. But this isn't just about a particular flavor. It's more about the memories that we have that are associated with eating this particular food. 
whether you had your first taste in elementary school? I think it must have been elementary school. I had these two friends. They were twins, family from India, and they always had like the epitome of the American kids lunch that I wanted. So they had ho-hos or the little rainbow brownie, a tiny bag of hot Cheetos, a Subway sandwich. And I think that must have been my first like exposure to hot Cheetos because there's no way they would be in my house. So like that's probably my first like real core memory of hot Cheetos is like trying it from my friend's lunch and then like constantly asking for more because once you start, you can't stop. (laughs) Or you got creative with them in high school. Everybody, and I mean everybody, had Flaming Hot Cheetos and then the cafeteria also had bagels. But we wouldn't get a bagel. We would get just the cream cheese, which was, I think, like maybe 25 cents for a little thing of cream cheese. And everybody was dipping their flaming Hot Cheeto in the cream cheese. Very inventive. Just like this gal. Probably my earliest memory consciously of like going out, looking for them, buying them is probably college. I remember specifically in college because I learned from a good friend of mine to eat them with chopsticks because then your fingers don't get cheesy. Speaking of getting your fingers all red and cheesy. Why do you think they did that? Why do you think they made the powder so, like, red and and with such staying powder? You're right. I think it's more of, like, a marketing campaign where everyone knows. Like, you know. Anyone who eats them knows when someone else had them. Like, you, you just see the marks on the finger. And there's a very good reason we use our fingers. To be fair, 50% of the enjoyment is in, like, licking your fingers afterwards. Lick away, but no matter how hard you try, that red residue is going to stay on your fingers, letting the whole world know what you've been up to. When I was trying to rid myself of my obsession and I started doing Weight Watchers, <laughs> and I would go to my Weight Aww. Watchers meetings, and the Weight Watchers leader suggested that perhaps the reason that I like Flaming Hot Cheetos is because it leaves the red residue on your hands and it's like the scarlet A telling everybody that you've been bad and eating bad food. Ooh, so naughty. I thought you were going to say that she was going to psychoanalyze you and say that you like pain. I think (laughs) the psychoanalysis, I think, was about the fact that, like, it leaves the red residue, so now everybody knows that you have done this. You're so naughty. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, but speaking of pain, this is not exactly a food that makes us feel great. I've eaten those things at night, and ooh, the heartburn. I am not a spring chicken anymore. The acid reflux of it all. (laughs) It's so bad. It could be so bad. You just, I just felt it. You just feel it all night. But then it's like almost worth it, but not. I guess you could say it hurts so good. At some point, I started to have, like, instant stomach aches. And obviously, this has gotten worse as I've gotten older, but I don't feel fantastic. That hasn't stopped me yet, but I don't feel fantastic. Maybe it's because we're all getting older. More so now that we're entering or in our early 40s, I definitely feel different after eating a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos now than I did 20 years ago, 100%. I do think that there are more side effects. Like, I can definitely taste the MSG now. Like, I know I know what I'm consuming, and I make that conscious decision every time I open a bag of Cheetos. Is it a conscious decision, or is it an addiction? 
I'm not an addict. (laughs) I can stop whenever I want. Sure you can. Okay, let's just call it what it is. It is what it is. Call it an addiction. But I I will 100% admit that I... My body feels different after eating a bag yeah. of Cheetos now than it did 20 years ago. 100%. All right. We love them, but we kind of hate that we love them. So now what do we do? Let's talk to someone who can help. This is Katie Schmidt. She's a behavioral food therapist. She works with Bay Area clients in person, as well as with clients all over the world virtually. If you've never heard of a behavioral food therapist, you're not alone. Here she is explaining a little bit more about what she does. I help my clients overcome emotional eating or disordered eating or the binge restrict cycle, any, anywhere they want to improve their relationship with food, body, and themselves, and underneath it all, how they're relating to emotions. So you're the perfect person to ask. What would you recommend to someone who wanted to moderate their intake of a food that's not so great for them, like Flaming Hot Cheetos? But of course, this portion of our podcast requires a bit of a disclaimer. Talking about how do I not eat the food or how do I limit it is a whole process. And it's the work that I do with a client over the course of time. So the way we talk about it today in a few minutes, I just want to preface it by saying this is a process and I don't want it to feel simplistic or reductive in what we're saying. We got you, Katie. In other words, this is a process, so you might want to talk to a professional like Katie. You can find her at wholenourishment.net. I've worked with her myself, and she's fantastic. Back to you, Katie. There are a few first layers that I like to kind of peel back with my clients in looking at whether it's the Flaming Hot Cheetos or some other food. The first one is to really help them understand that food isn't the problem. It's truly not the problem. It can feel like it because it's right there in front of us and it's causing us a lot of like discomfort, but it's the symptom of the problem. And you can think of it like a canary in a coal mine. And food, when we turn to food, it's signaling that something's going on underneath the surface that is giving us a lot of discomfort, a lot of insecurity or feeling like a lack of safety and stability Something is just intolerable. Wow. Food isn't the problem. That's a really big concept to absorb. I've always been quick to blame the Cheetos. I think that's a really important message for us to understand because we so often in like diet culture and diet mentality, we apply this like moral code to food being good or bad. And then it makes us feel like if I eat the bad food, I am bad. And then we spiral. And we get get stuck in the cycle of the kind of mental preoccupation and ruminating. And it it prevents us from looking at what's going on underneath the surface, which is our emotional world. But Cheetos aren't good for you, right? I mean, objectively speaking, we just listened to all those ingredients read out loud and it was pretty horrifying. That's valid. We can recognize and we can acknowledge like this is not healthy. But we also want to understand that when we apply a moral judgment that this is not healthy and we go beyond that and say this is bad and I'm bad for eating it, then it creates a mental restrictiveness. It makes us feel restricted. And so the research has shown that 
restricting ourselves, whether we're physically not allowing ourselves to eat something or we're just mentally restricting saying, as we eat it, this is bad. I'm bad for eating it. That restriction and sense of deprivation leads to feeling out of control with food. It leads us to turn to the food even more. It's like the forbidden fruit effect. Gotcha. So labeling foods as good or bad and then beating yourself up about it isn't really helping. Let's keep digging. When we talk about our relationship with food, we're really talking about our relationship with our emotions. When we turn to food and we feel discomfort, we either feel like we're out of control with food or we are disconnected or we're on autopilot, it means that we're dysregulated in that moment when we're turning to food. So we want to take this nervous system perspective and understanding that we're in a fight or flight state often when we turn to food. We're either super activated, hypervigilant, stressed, anxious, or we're really low and, and lethargic and just kind of dissociated. And so we need to understand that we're out of our window of tolerance and we're turning to food to kind of soothe and support us and bring us back into our window of tolerance. But it doesn't always help us. And so when we can understand that there's this emotional landscape underneath us turning to food, we can recognize, oh, that's where we want to be spending our time and attention. And food is just the symptom. Okay, so understanding our relationship with food is really also about understanding our relationship with our emotions. What should our goal be? We want to be working to have some equanimity and neutrality with the food itself. The morality comes from our own judgment of the food. It comes from humans. (laughs) The food itself is neutral. And it's counterintuitive, but the more we can work on the neutrality with the food, then the more we are going to bring back the power into ourselves and into our sense of choice. If we can stay connected in the experience of choosing a food, and we may still choose the Flaming Hot Cheetos, but if we are being intentional, and when I say intentional, it's about being present in the moment so that we can be connected not just to, I'm really wanting this food, this food is bad, but we're also connected to bringing that nervous system lens back in. We're connected to what's going on in my body. What's going on with my energy state? And that's what nervous system is. It's like the energy state. Are you super high and activated and hypervigilant? Are you super low and kind of numb or dissociated, disconnected, just understanding where you are in time and space, noticing and naming that energy state. And then also the emotions, emotions live in our body. And so we can understand the emotions and then where they are showing up in our body. What are those kind of physical sensations? Thanks, Katie. You've given us a lot to think about. And if you're not ready to give up the food completely, you can at least start by eating in moderation. Like if I'm going through Costco, I'm not getting Costco-sized anything. No. (laughs) If I'm going to the store, I'm not getting a family-sized anything. I'm going to get a normal or small-sized bag of it. Big bag, small bag, medium-sized bag. I have a feeling this isn't just about the Cheetos. 
perhaps these Cheetos represent something to us. So what is our Flaming Hot Cheetos obsession really about? It's very much about not caring about what I eat. Like, I definitely care now, but when I eat them, I want to transport myself to a time when my stomach didn't hurt, I didn't have issues with gaining weight quickly, I didn't have, like, any health concerns, I was just living free and eating junk food because I could. So it's not just about the meal. It's about the memories the meal evokes. It brings me back to when I didn't worry so much about my weight. You know, when you're younger, college, high school, you're still eating those things with a certain just, you know, I will burn it off later. I've got track later. I'm going to burn it off. Like I wouldn't say that necessarily a Lay's or a Doritos brings back that same sort of frivolous feeling that the Flaming Hot Cheeto does. And I think it's because the naughtiness of it being all over your hands and you just feel like a child because it is a little bit messy and it's spicy. And then all of a sudden, you know, even though you could probably stop eating it because it's really spicy and you're in pain, you're still eating it. And there's that certain just like, I'm completely letting go of adulthood here. I'm getting messy. I'm not controlling myself. Yes, Cheetos bring me back to my childhood somehow. And for some of us, they represent something even deeper. It definitely makes you feel like a kid, like enjoying a snack that you used to enjoy as a kid. I used to, we we grew up kind of poor, so chips weren't exactly always like around. So when we did get them, it was like a special, amazing treat, Uh, particularly like at school. If you got in your lunch bag, you're like, oh my God, my parents must have got paid. We got a bag of chips. And so... I never really thought about it. It's a good point. Maybe associated with like, oh, I'm not struggling. I can afford a bag of chips. (laughs) Yeah. It's not just about the Flaming Hot Cheetos. It's deeper than that. And for me personally, it's as simple as I really enjoy the flavor. And it can be as deep as this is something that I began eating in my early adulthood. And there are a lot of memories associated with that time period in my life. On some level, It represents a certain kind of freedom for me. There's this very similar thing that happens with Cheetos that used to happen for me in college and cigarettes. I was never much of a smoker, but during my freshman and sophomore year in college, I would go through these periods where I would have an occasional cigarette or two, sometimes three, during the day or at a party or something. And for me, that decision, that moment, was always about rebellion. I knew that cigarettes were not good for me. My parents smoked, my grandparents smoked, my aunts and uncles smoked, everybody around me smoked, and I had gotten the full-on anti-smoking campaign in school. I used to make posters of diseased lungs and put them on the refrigerator hoping to sway my parents and get them to stop smoking. And so I knew it was really terrible, and so in making the choice to go ahead and smoke every once in a while— It was like a giant middle finger to the universe. (laughs) Like, you can't—no one can make me do something that's good for me, including me. And that same sort of attitude has carried over into the Flaming Hot Cheetos. It's the same type of, I know this is terrible. I know it's bad for me. I know the ingredients are awful. I don't feel great after I eat them. And yet, no one can make me do the thing that's right for me, including me. So there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm not alone, as evidenced by everyone I spoke to for this episode. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to our stories. I hope it resonated for you. I don't know if Flaming Hot Cheetos are your addiction of choice, but whatever your thing is, just know that you're not alone and that if you want to make changes, you can certainly make changes. You have to look deeper and start examining your relationship to that food and start examining your relationship to the emotional state that you are in when you are turning to that food. However you choose to move forward with your personal obsession, just know that I support you and you are not alone. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you want to get in touch, my website is yuliapatsay.com, Y-U-L-I-Y-A-P-A-T-S-A-Y.com. I'd love to hear from you. And until then, snack responsibly. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving. <laughs>